I don't know about you. Kind of have a pretty good idea about many of you, though. Um, I love Christmas. Anybody love Christmas? Who loves Christmas? Wow, this is like the most Christmas-loving bunch that we've had this weekend. Three services at 11 o'clock says we love Christmas the most. Uh, maybe because you're the most awake. I don't know. I, I, maybe that's why. But I love Christmas. I love everything about Christmas. I love the songs, uh, getting together with family and friends, the food. Oh, the food. Christmas ham. Anybody looking forward to Christmas ham? Or, or like tofu ham, maybe? Anybody? Do they make tofu ham? Yes, my wife is waving, raising her vegan hand. I'm surprised she has the strength to get her hand up that much because she doesn't eat meat. So. Anyway, uh, I love Christmas. Love it. Second favorite holiday. First favorite holiday, Easter, because Jesus came back to life. But I love Christmas. I love, uh, love Christmas. And Americans love Christmas. We have made a, an entire industry out of Christmas. Here, here you want a little, little number? $465 billion. $465 billion, as in dollars, as in how much we are going to spend for Christmas 2019 as a country. Four hundred. $65 billion. That's, a ha- that's almost a half a trillion dollars. You know how many pairs of Calvin Klein jeans and pizza rolls that will buy? It's a lot. So I, can, I can imagine. Oh, yes, I can. Um, but we love Christmas, you know, we, and we love everything about Christmas. Look at this place. Isn't this a, it looks amazing, right? It just looks incredible. And so we, yeah. We decorate for Christmas. We get everything. We get excited about Christmas. We sing Christmas songs and, and about red, red-nosed reindeer. I, how did that even happen? How did that even come about? Like there was a meeting somewhere. And like a people sitting around a table, maybe doing drugs. I don't know. But they started talking about let's, let's, a, a reindeer whose nose lights up. Dude, that is like the greatest idea ever. But we, we love Christmas. We just, we just love it. We absolutely love it. Well, today we're going to begin a, a three-week series on Christmas uh, called What a Difference a Day Makes, Christmas Edition. Now, this is a continuation of a series that we started back in October. We did a series called What a Difference a Day Makes. And it's people who had encounters with God that completely changed their lives. And it was just a one-day encounter, a real brief amount of time that they had this encounter with God. And it changed everything for that person forever. We talked about a man named Gideon who felt like he was the weakest member of his tribe. And yet he was told by God that he was a mighty warrior. And he went on to do mighty things for God, even though he felt like he was a a wimpy weakling. We talked about Zacchaeus, who was the uh, outcast. He was was ostracized by his community. And, And we talked about how when he had an encounter with Jesus, it changed his life forever. The Apostle Paul. We talked about the Apostle Paul. who was like the unlikeliest cheerleader. He was an enemy of Jesus, and then he became his biggest cheerleader. One of the greatest missionaries who ever lived. And it's just a, a, what a difference a day makes when you have an encounter with God. Well, today we're starting a new series called What a day, Difference a Day Makes Christmas Edition. And it's all about people who had uh, experienced the very first Christmas. And, and today we're going to talk about Mary. And, and how her life was changed forever uh, when she had an encounter with an angel. Next week, we're going to talk about the shepherds and how their lives were changed when they had an encounter with, and, with the angels in the first Christmas story. And, and then we're going to talk about the whole world 
and how the whole world was changed in a single day when Jesus was born. Now that weekend, Christmas weekend, December 20th, 21st, 22nd, we're having four services. We're going to have one on Friday night at 6.30. We're going to have one on uh, Saturday night, our regular Saturday night at 5.30, and then Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11. And we're going to do some special things that weekend. I know the Saturday night and su- uh, the Friday night and Saturday night services, Chef Jeff is going to whip up some turkey and gravy. Again, food. It comes back to food. Um, we're going to have uh, carved turkey and ham on Friday night and Saturday night. And Sunday morning, we'll have Grindhouse Cafe coffee. Uh, so we want you to come uh, Christmas weekend. Make sure you're here Christmas weekend. And make sure that you invite a friend or two to join you for Christmas weekend here at GSCC. So those are four services on Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning. And then we're going to have two unique Christmas Eve services on Christmas Eve at 4 o'clock and 5.30. There won't be any kids programming. It's a family-oriented service. We want you in here with your families uh, as we uh, uh, will do candle lighting and sing your favorite Christmas carols. It's going to be an incredible night uh, on Christmas Eve. So that's where we're going over the next couple of weeks. But for today, we're talking about Mary. And we are in the book of Luke. Uh, The book of Luke is a gospel. It is a biography of Jesus written by a man named Luke who was commissioned by a man named Theophilus to write the story of Jesus. And so uh, if you brought a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 1. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It's on page 830 of that Bible, page 830. Or you can follow along on the GFCC app. If you haven't gotten the app yet, go to your app store on your phone or mobile device and search for GFCC in the Google Play Store or the iTunes Store. And you can download the app and follow along with the sermon notes. You can also give your tithes and offerings through the app as well uh, as get push notifications and calendar events of things that are going on around here. So get the app if you haven't gotten it yet. It's very handy and useful. Now, the story of Mary doesn't actually begin in the book of Luke. In fact, it begins 700 years before Jesus is born when uh, the prophet Isaiah said this. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, he wrote, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. We read in the book of Matthew that this prophecy, written 700 years before Jesus was born, was fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. So uh, Matthew tells us that uh, this verse applies to Mary, uh, that she was the virgin who would conceive and give birth to a son, and his name is Jesus, Uh, the Hebrew name Emmanuel literally means God with us, or God is with us. So Jesus was God in human flesh, and he came to earth, God came to earth to live among us, to live with us, to be with us. So God is not some God far off. He's not an impersonal force. Uh, He doesn't live on a cloud somewhere. No, God stepped into human history and came to be with us, to identify with us. To live the the full gamut of human existence and to be here with us. And that was fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. So 700 years before Jesus is born, this prophecy is given about a virgin who would conceive and give birth to a son. And we see the fulfillment of this prophecy in Luke chapter 1. And we're going to look at that together, starting in verse 26. Luke wrote, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Now, just so you know. Elizabeth was a relative of Mary, and Elizabeth was elderly and unable to have children. She was barren, and uh, an angel appeared to Elizabeth and said that she was going to have 
a baby, that even in her old age, she was going to have a baby. And so in the sixth month of her pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, that's in northern Israel, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now, I've told you before, the, ancient, the New Testament's written in ancient Greek, and the ancient Greek word for favored, where it says, you who are highly favored, that Greek word has the same root as the Greek word for grace. So when God, when the angel tells Mary that she is highly favored, he is telling her that God has had grace upon her, and that what she's about to do is, is because of God's grace, that she has received God's grace. Okay, so this angel Gabriel shows up, and uh, I don't know what angels look like, but throughout the Christmas story, whenever angels appear, they always say the same thing to the person they appear to, do not be afraid. So I, I don't know, like I said, I don't know what angels look like, but if the first thing out of your mouth is do not be afraid, they got to be some pretty terrified looking creatures. Uh, I, I don't know, maybe they're huge, maybe they glow, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. But how many of you used to watch a show Touched by an Angel? Anybody watch Touched by an Angel? I don't think they look like Roma Downey. So like Roma Downey doesn't show and say, do not be afraid. You know, it's a, she talked like that? I don't know. Anyway, um, she was Irish, right? Oh, do not be afraid. Um, that's better. So the angel shows up and says, do not be afraid. That's what he says. Look, verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And again, that's that same Greek word uh, where he says you are highly favored. You have found favor with God. In other words, you have, you have been blessed by God's grace. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Now, just so you know, the, the Greek name Jesus, or Jesus, is how we say it in America, uh, the Greek name Jesus is the uh, Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua. And the name Joshua means Yahweh is salvation, that God saves. God is salvation. Okay, so that's what Jesus' name literally means. Yahweh is salvation. God is salvation. Okay? Um, so he will, be called, uh, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary says... How will this be since I am a virgin? Now, what's interesting about that is the, the fact that she doesn't doubt the angel's words. She doesn't doubt what the angel says to her. She believes what the angel says and says, how will this be since I am a virgin? In other words, I have not had relations with anyone. How am I going to have a child? But she doesn't doubt it. She says, how will this be? I believe it's going to happen. I just don't understand it. Well, the angel tells her that he is going to reign on his father David's throne. Now, Mary was a descendant of David. Joseph was a descendant of David. And this is a fulfillment of a prophecy, another prophecy from Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, it says this. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And so what he's saying is that... Uh, it's from David's family line is going to come the Messiah. Again, 700 years before Jesus is born, Isaiah says a, a Messiah is going to come out of the line 
of David. And sure enough, Jesus, his earthly father Joseph, and his mother are both descendants of David, just like Isaiah said he would come from the line of David. And then we get to verse, verses 35 through 38. So, Mary, how will this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Verse 37 says, no word from God will ever fail. I love the way that the English Standard Version translates this verse when it says, for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. Would you say that with me? Nothing will be impossible with God. So I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what impossible circumstances you are facing today. I don't know what impossible situation you are facing today. I don't know what mountain you're staring at and thinking, it is impossible for me to get past this mountain. It is impossible for God to move this mountain. It is impossible for God to help me overcome this addiction. It is impossible for God to help me overcome this problem in my relationship. It is impossible for God to help me uh, with this situation in my finances. But I'm telling you right now, nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for God. An elderly barren woman can give birth to John the Baptist. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a Messiah, Jesus, the Savior. Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. And Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. And the angel leaves. Well, I want to fast forward just a little bit in Mary's story, just a couple of, uh, a couple of days, uh, a couple of months. And we get to Luke chapter 2, and the baby is born. Baby Jesus is born in a manger. The cattle are lowing. The baby awakes. The little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Now, I had a, I had a child once who was a newborn. Crying he made. <laughs> Much crying he made. So away in a manger is a fairy tale. Anyway, um, but in Luke chapter 2, the baby is born. Jesus is born. The shepherds show up. They go tell everybody, okay? And then on the eighth day after Jesus' birth, they take him to the temple to, for pure, for, to offer the sacrifices that they were supposed to offer uh, when a baby was born. So we get to Luke 2, 25. So they are coming to the temple. They are walking through the temple, and this is what happens. Luke 2, 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, we'll see what he said in just a second. But imagine this. You are Mary and Joseph. An angel has appeared to you both and has told you that you are going to have a, a, a baby, and, and the baby is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Thousands of years and millions of people have been waiting for this day. So you've got the baby Messiah in your hands. Okay, I remember when my little guy was just born, you know, and it was like, I, I didn't want anybody to touch him, to, to hurt him in any way. You know, don't, and, and, and so they're walking through the temple, got the baby, 
Holy Spirit is here. And this old geezer comes walking up and just takes him out of Mary's arms. I would have I, I thrown down. What are you doing, my baby? That's God's baby. Takes him in his arms. And I mean, how much, how much would they have been freaking out? Please do not hurt the Messiah. He's our only hope. Um, so Simeon comes up. He's told, you're not going to die until you see the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Holy Spirit, goes in, grabs the baby out of Mary's arms, and says this. Verse 29. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Look at verse 33. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And then he says this. And a sword will pierce your own soul, too. What is this guy saying? You know, he's destined to cause the rising and falling of many in Israel, and a sword will pierce my soul? What, what, what does that mean? And I wonder if Mary thought about those words throughout her life for, for years to come, if she thought, what is, that, what, are, what is that old guy talking about? A sword will pierce my own soul, too? What does that mean? And I think I know when she understood what it meant. Because in John 19, 25, it says this. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. You want to talk about a sword piercing your soul? You want to talk about your soul being pierced as you watch your oldest son's hands and feet pierced with nails, that'll pierce your soul with a sword. And yet there's Mary standing at the foot of the cross watching her son writhing in agony and pain so that the world could be saved through him. That Jesus died on the cross and he gave up his life to take away our sin. And if you will put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you will believe in him and repent from your sinful life, confess your faith and get baptized, in that moment God will wash away all your sins. And he will forgive you and give you the promise of eternal life in his presence. And it's making that decision to follow Jesus, the one who gave his life for you. You see, without the manger, there would be no cross. Without the cross, there wouldn't be a manger. Jesus came and gave his life for you and me. And it all started when an angel appeared to a young virgin named Mary. Now, we don't talk about Mary very much in the Christian church, in Protestant churches. We don't, because I think we're afraid of, you know, being accused of maybe worshiping Mary. And we don't want to worship Mary. We worship God. We worship Jesus alone. But I think there's some things we can learn from Mary's life and from Mary's story that we can put into practice in our own lives. First, Mary was a faith-filled servant of God. Mary was a faith-filled servant of God. 
When the angel told her that she, as a virgin, was going to give birth to a son, she didn't say, no way. I don't believe it. That ain't going to happen. No, she said, how will this be? She believed the message of the angel. She believed in God. She was full of faith. She was a faith-filled servant of God. In fact, that's what she said. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I am the Lord's servant. She was a faith-filled servant of God. But not only was she a faith-filled servant of God, she was a faithful servant of God. So she was full of faith, and she believed the angel's message, but she was also faithful to the very end, to the very end of her life. In fact, after Jesus was crucified and resurrected, she was with the believers when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, that Jesus' mother was there with the other apostles, with the believers. So Mary was not only full of faith, but she was faithful as well. And I think we can learn some things from her story, that we too should be full of faith, and we too should be faithful to the one who's been so faithful to us. I believe that here in 2019, that you have a special role to play in someone's Christmas story. You have a special role to play in someone's Christmas story. And I have some suggestions about maybe some ways that you could have a, play a special role in someone's Christmas story. Because I no doubt, no doubt there are people you know who, who under, have a kind of a little bit of understanding what Christmas is all about. But maybe you can help them understand a little bit better this year what Christmas is really all about. So one of the suggestions I have for you would be, in your own life, focus on the real meaning of Christmas. And not just on the gifts and the hustle and the bustle and the buying and the Amazon and all of that. Focus on the real meaning of Christmas in your life this year. And the way that you can do one of the ways that you can do that is, is maybe you could adopt a family in need. Maybe there's a family you know of that's struggling to make ends meet this year. And they don't know how they're going to provide gifts for their kids. Or they don't even know how they're going to provide food for their family. And if there's a family you know of, maybe you could adopt a family in need. Or if you want, come see me. I may be able to uh, help you find some families that you could adopt with your family this year in order to help them have a merrier Christmas as a way of giving to others without expecting anything in return. So maybe you could adopt a, your family could adopt a family in need to make someone else's Christmas a little merrier. Um, you could share the real story of Christmas at a family gathering or at a work gathering. Now, I'm not saying to, you know, stand up on top of a table and pull out the Bible and say, all right, everybody, we're going to get to the real meaning of Christmas. But maybe you could just sit down and talk to a coworker or a family member when you're all together and just say, you know what, this is great. Isn't it great? Isn't Christmas wonderful? You know, and, and I really, I, it's not just about family, friends, and food, but it's about Jesus. And what a difference he makes in our lives. What a difference he's made in my life. What a difference he can make in your life. And just talk about the real meaning of Christmas with a, with a co-worker this year or with a family member. Well, I don't want people to think I'm a Jesus freak. Who cares what they think? You care more about what they think or where they're going. You care more about what they think about you or where they're going to spend eternity. Tell somebody the real meaning of Christmas this year. You could... 
Go to a retirement home or a long-term care facility, a retirement home, and share some Christmas joy and Christmas cheer with some folks at a retirement home or a long-term care facility. And just go and, and grab your kids and say, you know, we're going to go spread some Christmas cheer today. And, and just let people know that God loves them. And you're there to show them that God loves them. And that God showed the world that he loves us by sending his one and only son. So maybe go to a, a nursing home, a retirement home, and just share some Christmas joy with some folks. Lastly, a suggestion I have would be to serve at our ministry center over the next two weeks. We, uh, on the third and fourth Sundays of the month, we have distribution days for food and clothing at the GFCC Ministry Center of New Elliott, 1815 South Colfax. So next week and the week after, from 1 to 3 p.m., we'll be handing out food and clothing to people in need. And so maybe that's a way that you can show some Christmas love this year by volunteering at the ministry center over the next two weekends. And we'd love to have you. And if you have any questions about that, see my wife, Shannon. And, uh, she would love to get you plugged in to the ministry center. Uh, and, and if you can't do it on a weekend, we have work days during the week, too. We'd love to see you over there helping out and uh, spreading some Christmas love and cheer this year. You know, Mary was an ordinary girl for whom God had an extraordinary you and me, we can be pretty ordinary too. But when God comes into your life, and when God reveals his extraordinary plan for your life, what a difference. What a difference it makes. You know, we can, we can really do a lot to bring a lot of joy and faith into this world into someone's life this week, into someone's life this season. And I want to encourage you to do just that. That though you may have an ordinary life, I believe that God has an extraordinary plan for it. So surrender yourself like Mary did. Be the Lord's servant. Be faith-filled and faithful. And you will discover, just like Mary did, what a difference a day makes.